Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Hip Hop Save My Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Now sit back because it's time for the podcast. Welcome to Hip Hop Save My Life. Um, a couple of big things to talk about. First of all, Rupert is not here because... He's sort of doing some sort of birthday celebration, so he can't join us today. So we're joined with by our other Hip Hop Save My Life collaborator, Ben Green. Hello, Ben. Hi. It always feels like a disappointment. And actually, <laughs> Zoo's face looked like he was disappointed. No, right. Well, I imagine he was disappointed. <laughs> it's a really you, awful I, I imagine he's, to walk straight into. I imagine he's disappointed that you brought him straight in without us giving him a proper intro. Do you know what I mean? Like, Sorry. <laughs> this is supposed to be the bit where you and I sort of. Talk about got how you, excited you are to have him on. Do you know what I mean? So, okay, great. Wait, he's not here. Okay, let's start again. Yeah. So how have you been, Ben? You, you good? It's good to have you. Yeah, all right. Uh, quite, yeah, stressed, a little bit stressed at the moment because we're doing doing work at the house. Um, mm. And yeah, it's, it's well, basically I've fucked it up. How do you mean? Well, I've built a floor on my house, which is quite a big, so a loft conversion. Yeah. And You've added a floor to your house because the way you said that, yeah. it makes it sound like your house didn't have a floor before you put one in. That's, <laughs> that's sort of the way you phrase that. Well, yeah, but I've added one. And the reason for doing it was I wanted a projector. In the, and I know this doesn't sound like a big, like it may not be like, like I know other people got bigger problems probably, but. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're talking about how your projector's got an issue. Go on, but carry well, on. Well, I basically forgot to wire it before we built the ceiling and the floor. So now I can't have one. So I don't know, yeah. <laughs> but they didn't tell me. They I put a plug there, but they were like, and then the guy came round from Richard Sounds and he had a look at it and he were like, where are you gonna put all the cables for like they like to wire from the projector to this mm. to that? And he was like, oh, I, was, I don't know, where? He went, Well you can't. You have to do it let's like run it across the floor. So you can have one. Yeah, but would you want like six cables running just no, straight no, no, across no, your but, roof? But but you but you can have one. I could, yeah. Would I want six cables running along the floor? Is is yeah. is a separate issue. If how much do you want this projector? You know I mean? well, not that much. Okay. Well, look, let's bring our guest into this, all right? Because I feel like we're wasting his time here. Okay. Uh, so, um, look, Ben, we're excited, right? Yeah, very excited. Because we have got. What's the way to describe this guy's a polymath, right? He's a rapper. He's a TV presenter. He's an author. He's a BAFTA nominee. He's just next level, big deal. It's Big Zoo. Hello, mate. Yo, 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 you let's in. Sorry, uh, do you know what? I I realised there that I, I actually was quite interested in your what your take was on this uh, on this projector situation. That's why I've brought you into this conversation. Do you know what I mean? Bro, I'm, I'm a person that proper don't care about wires. Like, they don't, <laughs> they don't piss me off. That's like a belief system. Bro, like, my telly is here, it's hanging, the wires are everywhere, they're bare. Mm. They're bare to see. Yeah. But it does a job, man. Like, even if you hide them, I know they're there. So That's true. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, you know. I mean, the fact that he, the Ben's considering not having a projector. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he doesn't want visible wires. That's that is that's big. It is big. You know what I mean, that is a big decision. I just can't tell you what the. Mo I mean, <laughs> the moment where I went in and like they'd literally finished doing the top coat of paint, and then I had did genuinely consider like ripping open all the walls and ceiling to like do it. But my builder looked at Maybe me. My builder doesn't like me very much anyway. He's made that mm. quite clear. Nice. Right. So yeah, he uh, he he just said no. But isn't it isn't it? But builders builders don't like. Uh don't like their clients towards the end of the job anyway, do they? They fucking love you. They're practically sucking you off at the beginning when they're giving you a quote and that, and then it's towards yeah. the end, do you know what I mean? Trust. They're barely turning up. Yeah, there's also a massive slow, like there was like 50 people there at the start, and now once a day, once a week, someone shows up to do like a little bit of pain. Yeah. I'm never getting That's back into my house. It's never, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. Well, good luck with that. Zoo, how's life treating you, man? Uh, it's not bad. I'm just doing a lot of random stuff, mm. um, kind of navigating through music world and TV world um, the best I can. And I'm just trying to enjoy myself, man. That's that's the main thing. Just have fun and do do things that are fun, you know? I mean, it's fair to say you're absolutely smashing it, man. Do you know what I mean? Cause, Thank you, man. Because you just, out of nowhere, have this TV show on Dave, which is fucking great, right? Like this uh, Big Zoo's Big Eats. And you just rock up the different comedian shows, and you you kind of make is it is it a dream meal? You kind of take their likes and and the things, and and then you create something off the back of their kind of bespoke desires, right? Is that right? Yeah, that's the best basically, way to it. we we make a full course meal which is based off what they love, and it's 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 easy because we're cooking food that they love, so it, it rarely goes wrong. And the first season we cooked while they was actually on tour, so we was linking comedians on tour and normally comedians, unless you're Jimmy Carr, you're not having the greatest dinner after you tour because you're in the middle of nowhere. You know, you're in Leighton Buzzard and yeah. <laughs> there's just one donor shop or one curry house. There's nothing to really eat. It's always really shitty food. So we turn up in this big food truck and cook you all the food you love. Like it was instant. Once I, once I saw that the comedians loved what we were doing, I knew that it would do well on telly and, the reaction's been crazy, you know, season two, that's done now. Trying to work out the contract season three, you know, David being long, but we're getting it done. And it's just like, yeah, it's TV world now. Now all yeah, my yeah. meetings are with production companies talking about, what would you like to do, Zoo? Where, where would you like to go? Yeah. Where would you like to, where would you like to take it next? And I'm just like, let tell you about more food. <laughs> <laughs> Strong pitch. No, it's not bad. <laughs> it's working. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, going. <laughs> How did it come about, though? Because I was quite surprised. When I saw it, it was like, I didn't yeah. know you were so chefy. Do you know what I mean? It's very random. Um, literally, I was doing some cooking videos for fun on YouTube with a couple of, couple of my friends. And the production company that we worked with, they literally just saw that video online. And they were like, well, this is sick. Why don't we turn this into a tele program? And we were kind of like, okay. How do you do that? And then they kind of went and got the pilot. We did the pilot with Ed Gamble. Um, on the day of the pilot, they were supposed to get some social media influencers to be on the show with me. Couldn't get anyone. So I said, oh, let's get my two boys I went secondary school with because um, we have a good rapport. And they were like, all right, we'll try it. <laughs> we'll try it on this paid pilot. And then um, <laughs> it went really well. It went really well. So they said, cool, we're going we're to commission it with your two boys. And 
we were just like, okay, what happens now? We did. Then we banged out the whole series just before um, the first lockdown hit, and then as we finished filming, lockdown started, so we couldn't do any of the like glitzy, glamoury TV things that you do to promote it. We kind of just had to sit in our house and tell people to watch it, and then. Luckily, it just, it, 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 it took off. And, and I think it being on Dave helps, you know, being on a random channel like Dave, it's, it's been really good because we've been able to kind of set our foundations, get a core audience on telly without being on all the main channels. So we're just kind of like over there doing our thing and making a little bit of noise. And that's why now it's kind of like we're just deciding what we want to do. People always cuss Dave. People always cuss our channel that we're on. They always cuss it, like. But I, I, I'm, I, I love it as a whole, man. You know, there's, there's, there wasn't a lot going on a day. There's a lot of Top Gear, Top Gear repeats. Mm. So we've helped with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, I, I think I know what you're saying about, like, you know, people make jokes about Dave. But the truth is, the other thing that people say about Dave is they're one of the bravest commissioners. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of like, they, mm. if they like an idea, they'll back it and they'll get behind it and they'll promote it. And, you know, so there've been some great shows on Dave, like, you know, Taskmaster came from Dave and obviously now it's on Channel 4. But like nobody, like Channel's passed on Taskmaster, do you know what I mean? When it first, yeah. when it first got pitched. And so I think they have got a reputation for that. And that's, that's you know, that's been borne out by the fact that you have been able to, because you watch that show, you watch your show, and it's it looks completely untouched by by commissioning notes or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? I mean that yeah. as a compliment. It it just Thank looks you. like you guys literally did just turn up and do your thing. <laughs> and I think the show's all the better for that because so many times, you know, you know, Ben Ben works in TV. Well, there's loads of times where you see a really like good talent, and then they go, "Let's make a TV thing for them." And then when you watch the final TV show, all of the edges have been knocked off. Yeah. And so this thing that you liked about this person or this group of people has gone. Do you know what I mean? And actually, your mates being in the show, probably like, that's probably a better, sh- it's, it's a much better yeah, show. Yeah, because like, the classic like. thing is to like, just for, it's quite a telly thing to do, just to shove random famous people together with that actually have never really met and then just like, so act like mates. So it's kind of better, it's always going to be better if they're actually your friends that you actually know and as you say, have a rapport with. Yeah, well, I'm but it's good that that happened by accident. <laughs> Trust <laughs> So what, what do you reckon now? Because like you're you doing music, you brought the book out, the TV thing is going really well. Like not only do people like it, but you're getting... Let me you know, close this window. No worries. Are you getting right. embarrassed about these brags like just leaking out into the neighbourhood? <laughs> <laughs> no, my neighbours are just drilling. <laughs> yeah, man. No, but I mean, what, 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 do you, what do you think? Do you feel like you're just going to carry on on all fronts? Or is it, are you thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to focus more on the TV or I'm going to try and combine them? What's it, what, have you got any plans? Yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's kind of like um, I'm in a place where I've finished my album, I'm pushing that. I'm doing a show um, soon, which I'm probably not allowed to say what it is, but I'm doing a show that kind of clashes with the release of my album. So this is like the first time I've kind of like been like, okay, maybe I can't do both at the exact same time. So I might have to push back my album um, because of a show because of the filming commitment. So, like, now I'm kind of like, okay. So, navigating doing both is not exactly possible. Mm. But I'm trying to make it work as much as possible right now. I feel like all the people I've seen before me, like, transition from music into telly, people like Kano, who is one of the biggest Grammy MCs of all time, and is also 
on Top Boy absolutely smashing it and then doing other bits behind the scenes. Um, people kind of like transition into telly and film and they kind of become these massive people within the industry and still make music. And for me, I've kind of like, I've always been a grime MC. I'm always just an MC at heart. That's why I am. Give me the mic, let me spit some bars. And the more I do telly, the more I do these things, it's like, it's fun, but my essence is always going to be like radio. So like, I always want to go radio, always want to spit bars. So I'm always going to do music, but I'm definitely going to have to have fun within telly because my mom needs me to pay her bills. And <laughs> television is great for that aspect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my mom will testify to that. <laughs> uh, trust me on that. I love how you bring in your mumsy. I love that. That's what I'm on. Like I put, I put my mum on my show and... There's something, there's a special energy when you're with your mum on Delhi. It's like, it's it, it, it's just, it's something that you can't feel unless you do it. It's like, I know. It's your, but it's like, there's a bit of a, you go on, Ben. I was going to say, is your mum easy to control? And I don't mean that in a weird way, but like, is your mum like, does she like get the TV thing and like, like, yeah, because it, it's, it's, it's... She's getting it's, it. It's slightly tricky with Shanti. Like, that's fair to yeah, say. Yeah, so Ben ben directs, has directed shows that I've done with, with my mum. So Asian Provocateur, Ben directed. And he's yeah. the first director to have to sort of instruct my mum and very quickly realise that you can give my mum a, a direction and then say action and then watch her do something completely different to, I love to that. what he suggested. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's almost... It's almost willful. Yeah. And then better then and then better go cut and you go, Shanti, like it wasn't quite you do know I asked you to specifically not do what you're doing. <laughs> you go, oh my god, did you? Oh, oh, oh god, sorry. And then she did the same thing again. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The mumsy's just got a certain type of energy where they're just not trying to complete the task at hand. It's it's so good. And I think I think that's what gives it the greatest energy because it's like so many people have this like idea of how to be on telly. Like you bring them into a room and they'll act like how they think it's supposed to be on telly. Whereas moms, they yeah. they don't think about that. They're not coming into England, working their life to raise their children to then become television stars. They're not on that. They're just they no. just want to have fun and make bread. So I remember the first time I brought her on set and she was like, oh. This is so much people. I'm like, yeah, mum. <laughs> that's the producer, that's the director, that's the line manager, that's the da 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 And I got a small crew for Biggie. So we got a really small crew. So I told her, listen, this is just, this is nothing. Like, this is, this is how, this is just a little starter pack. And she was like, um, she was proper proud of me because she was like, how do you do all of this stuff while they're watching? Yeah, yeah. She thought, man, just film and there's one person laughing with me. Nah, there's a whole crew behind. It's very awkward. When you're saying all your jokes and your life story, everybody's watching. And I think my mom kind of appreciated how hard it was. And at first she was very stiff. But then once she kind of got used to the treatment and the runner getting her coffee, she's like, hey, yeah, get, well, you, want, you want to get me a coffee? Okay. I'm not going to complain. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then she started realizing the runner can get more than the coffee. They can get other stuff. So she started asking for like cream and stuff, hand cream, face cream, random like can I get a hat my mum's yeah. so funny it's so, it's so quick isn't it with like with mums how quickly that sort of oh my god I can't believe it to you didn't get me the thing I asked for about that. <laughs> it's, it's so, like that switches in about a day I <laughs> yeah the bouginess they yeah, get yeah. quickly <laughs> and you know what if it's your show it's worse because they're like this is my show I know that's what that's what they think they think like okay this is my son's show but I made my son so everything yeah. you do you're doing for me. So yeah. 
when I'm getting my lunch order, my mom's like, yeah, I want double his, whatever his order, <laughs> I want the quantity to be double and the price to be double for mine. Because I made him. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, you, you talk about being a grime MC. And um, what, what, how do you see the, like, did you grow up listening to hip hop and that led you to grime or, was, or do you see grime and hip hop as completely separate? Like kind of what's your take on the relationship between those um, two genres? Grime is definitely influenced by hip hop. Mm. Um, grime music is influenced by, I think grime is like a truly British art form. It's something that was created here in the 2000s by your, by your Wileys, Dizzy Rascals, Kano. They kind of created a sound within jungle and bassline and garage. They kind of took that hip hop sense where a lot of rappers in the, in, in the UK were rapping with American accents. Mm. And they were kind of like the first to kind of spit with an English accent on, on obviously you had people like Kashnikov and the rappers before them who were doing hip hop in English accents. So I'm never ever going to say that wasn't happening in the UK because it definitely was in the nineties and early two thousands. There were rappers who were rapping without an American accent, but I feel like grime kind of took off a bit more than the hip hop scene. So, when I was growing up, I was listening to American hip hop before I listened to UK music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. UK rap or hip hop or grime. I was listening to your 50s and, you know, Tupac, Biggie, Eminem, you know, kind of what was big in the early noughties. That, that was kind of the vibe. But then once I found grime when I was like nine, 10 years old, it's all I listened to. It's like, I, really, like yeah. oh my God, like, I understand what man are saying. Man are speaking slang, like, talking about the, the hood and talking about, this and that, and then all the hood politics come with it, all the all the stories, and then I just fell in love with grime music. But I always still had my love for hip hop. Like that's the thing. Like growing up, obviously it was CDs era. Yeah. And then obviously when everything transitioned to online, LimeWire, datpiff.com, I would download mixtapes from American artists that aren't even them. It's not even them on the project. It's a random guy pretending to be TI, <laughs> but I'm still <laughs> listening to the whole project. Like, yeah. and the mixtapes called like TI Revenge Point Eight. And you're like, okay, I'm still going to listen to it. So that was kind of, I kind of loved my hip hop, but I was also in love with Graham. So it was like a journey of both worlds. So you started off listening to 50 Cent, right? And was he kind of your favourite artist when you started in the beginning? That was like my first, my mum bought me Get Rich or Die Trying when it came out. She bought me the CD. And, you know, this is when YouTube were a thing. And this is when you kind of, if you wanted to watch rapper, rappers on TV, you had to have Sky and you had to have MTV Bass. You know what I'm saying? It was not coming up on top of the pops. I think 50 performed on top of the pops like once though. But it was kind of like back in the day, it was the CDs that was popping. And I remember my mom getting get me, getting me get Richard I trying and then the Marshall Mathers LP. And I just played both of them back to back. And my mom definitely didn't know about the lyrical content on there. Playing is to put the rap game in the choke. So I'm full of focus, man. 
I was going to say that's quite a bold first. <laughs> like, I had, I got Paul Simon and Rod Stewart as my that my mum bought my first album, yeah. and she was <laughs> quite worried about that, wasn't she? As well. She was, yeah, yeah. She yeah. censored the some of them, yeah. yeah. Didn't like Maggie May. Yeah, yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, that's. Uh, so, did you guys listen to Wankster together, or how? What did you listen to it together? Do you know what's mad? We never listened to it together. <laughs> I kind of just had my little CD player. You know the little <laughs> CD player when your headphones would attach yeah. straight into the thing. Like that was the vibe. Like. I used to run that and then and then obviously when times were by then obviously iPods come out and this and that and it's just music on Bluetooth and infrared and it kind of left the CD era and went into the internet age of YouTube and stuff and that's where I kind of saw all these rappers that I was listening to on CD and on TV kind of got to learn more about them now got to learn more about their stories especially coming from West London like and growing up with my mum who wasn't like a, a big hip-hop person. She just loved music. That's why she got me those CDs. But I never grew up, like, understanding about Tupac and Biggie, like, what was going on. I had to learn myself once I had the access to the information, you know? So I was kind of lucky in that sense that once I got old enough to kind of understand music, by the time I was 10, 11, okay, now you can go on YouTube, now you can go watch all the stories, you can go listen to all the music. And that, that's all I would do. Like, literally, me and my friends, just sit there and listen to music and just be super gassed that we can listen to it and just go on LimeWire and destroy my parents' computer <laughs> yeah. you know, with viruses for years. When, when, you, when you think about that, that LimeWire, I remember like when LimeWire first came out, I remember just thinking it was fucking amazing. It was the one. That you could just download whatever thing. But, but back then, if somebody told you it would take that long to download a song now, it, you, you <laughs> would consider it like fucking rage inducingly unacceptable right? and like you know the, like now just whatever you want cops it. But I remember just sitting there going holy shit man I can literally just type in a thing and in just 24 hours I might have an album <laughs> do you know what I mean this is a, <laughs> unbelievable and then it'd be, it accidentally might be the like the Moroccan version or whatever but you know we're just going to find out when it's fully downloaded <laughs> we just you know hope yeah, yeah. yeah. good times though. was your was your mum uh, was she alright about you listening to hip hop I mean did she like, did you just think, oh, it's music and it's good that my son's getting into music or was she yeah, worried she, about she, the type of it? She never cared about the lyrics or the bars. She kind of just... she she She's from Sierra Leone and West Africa, they love their music, man. All they do all day is listen to music. So my mum was my mom was a very musical person growing up, but she never would, like, internalise it or kind of, like, looked at it from an art perspective. She always loved it because of the vibe. She loved listening to it, so... With me, it was kind of like, she just loved that I was in my room spitting bars. Maybe not, she didn't really care what bars I was spitting, but she was just happy to to know that, okay. I was a good youth as well. I wasn't a bad, bad man kid. I wasn't like a bad boy. So it's not like I was listening to the bars and then trying to become a drug dealer and, and kill people. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, she didn't yeah. She didn't see the lyrics affecting me like that. She always saw it as that was like me having fun, spitting Eminem, um, some of the songs on Marshall Mavis LP are very bad, and but I, she was more gassed that I was able to rap them like that. She was more excited that oh my god, my son can like yeah. perform and have fun with it. And it was never a thing where I was gonna do music. It was just kind of like something that I loved. I only started doing music when I turned like 16, 17, started writing bars. So all of the music, just listening growing up, was kind of for fun. And then yeah, how did you like transition from like listening to actually writing and performing like? 
what, did you quite quickly get the confidence to go out and do that or were you doing it at home for a while? We was, we was, it was when I went to college, bro. We was bored in the blocks, fam. We was just in the block, bored. So my boy used to put on like hip hop instrumental, like Master Ace or, or, one that like, you know, the old school, you know, if you just write rap instrumental and you'll yeah. get some Jay Dilla or you get some No ID and, and you get you get some Moss Def, you know what I'm trying to say? You get yeah. bag of common instrumentals, you know about common? <laughs> just yeah. every single rap beat yeah. that you could think of. Like, I remember rap, my first bars, I written them to Master Ace Beautiful, which is such an amazing instrumental. It's proper hip hop classic. I got a lot to say. Usually my smile stay locked away, but not today. I have to laugh on the real, I have to mask kind of ill like I'm Dr. Dre. Sometimes I run to the club and get faded. This game make you get jaded, I just hate it. But this song is a different kind of feeling, it's a new kind of dealing, it's a special kind of healing. And I can show what it is, best flow in the biz, you know what it is. Positive over negative, see the ace of master. Even when I face disaster, I rise up above. See That's kind of like what we, because we were just bored. So we go on YouTube, write a hip hop instrumental, and then man just started freestyling, like saying rap, cat, bat, flat, rap, rhyming all the easiest words. And then one of my friends was like, yo, Zuba, you might as well write some bars. And then started writing. And then I met Tracy, I met AJ Tracy, and found out he was, we was connected like family, like his cousin was my cousin. And then he was writing bars, so then we just started writing together, going youth club together, and then just it just went like that. Like we started, we kept on just having fun with it. How long were you doing the bat and cat stuff? Oh my god, years? that went on for a while. <laughs> no, no, that was from like when I was like 16, 17, up until about 18, just having fun, going studio, writing stuff, putting out stuff on YouTube, getting a hundred views, getting gassed. To then one day when I was like 18, 19, we got invited to Pirate Radio in East London. We got invited to Deja Vu, which is a classic grime station. But coming from West London, you know about Deja, but you don't really, you never would go there. So we got invited there and I'll never forget it. It was our first time on radio. I spat a bar and I got a wheel up and I was like, oh my days, <laughs> this is mad. And then from then, Stuck to radio, kept going radio. Me and Tracy, we batted it like every state. Like we would go flex in in in, in South. We'd go West Side Radio, Deja Vu in East, Mode FM in North. Then that led to BBC, Kiss. Started to do more mainstream stuff. Then all the like companies started loving grime. It was in that same transition when people started to love grime. 2013, 14, 15. Skept started doing mad things again. JME. And grime started taking off, like people like Stormzy making songs like Shut Up, Charting. UK music started building. So while UK music was building, I was kind of in the scene building with it. And now we're where we are now, where Dave is number one in the charts with a, with a rap album. And, you know, UK music is very prominent. How did it feel to be inside grime as it sort of exploded like that? Was it mad? Oh, bro. Like growing up, listening to grime, watching it die, 2010 times, no one yeah. listened to it. And still, I still loved Grime. So we was doing, we was doing rap, hip hop. We was spitting other bars, but we also still kept on doing Grime. So when the time came up to go radio and do Grime, it was like, okay, we'll, we'll go spit some bars. We never knew that it was going to blow up. So when it blew up, we was actually part of the scene. Like sometimes I look back and think, oh my God, I, I'm actually part of the Grime scene. Like I'm a, a, a member of the Grime. Because I look at the Grime, I look at the Grime scene like, a bunch of superheroes. Everyone's got their own little special power. 
are like the Skeptors, Dizzy's, Wiley, Kano. They're like the forefathers. They're like the Avengers. And I thought, of, I'm like the little, I'm like a little Miles Morales, like looking up to Spider-Man. I want to be Spider-Man. I'm kind of that man. And and I feel like I've grown within it. And now I'm like one of the the most prominent grime MCs. And sometimes I look, look at stuff and I'm like, right, how did we get here? But it's with a lot of hard work, a lot of sets, a lot of shelling, a lot of bars. Yeah. And I'm kind of one of them brothers that I still I make different types of music, but I've never turned my back on the scene. And I'm always I'm always gonna make grime music, always gonna do stuff with grime, and um, I'm kind of happy to represent it. That's probably the best way to put it. Is it difficult to like you know if you're going to to all these radio stations and spitting bars and stuff? Was it difficult and is it difficult to fuel that with like writing? I mean, are you just writing all the time and like is it how difficult is it to do that? Because there's certain MCs that you see. And you sort of think, I've heard this quite a few times. No, no disrespect. Like, you're just yeah. like, you know, I've heard this. Sure. And there's other MCs that every single time you see them, they've got new bars that you've never heard before, right? So, like, you know, what, what, how, where do you sit on that kind of scale? I mean, you've you got to have your classics. You've got to have your, like, reload bar. That's what everyone has. Everyone has their reload bar. But because mum was young and, you know, I was, we was in uni but, and I dropped out of uni and I started working for Uber Eats. Like, I, that was fueling my, my, my music career, literally being able to go on my phone, turn on my app, and go deliver food. That's how I was making my bread and butter while I was going... I'll be going radio, going uni, going to work. So I was lucky that I was at a time in my life where I could spend a lot of time in the studio and spend a lot of time spitting bars. I didn't have mad responsibilities. Mm. All my time literally went into music. So we was mad hungry. So, you know, go on radio with new bars, trying to bring up the wheel-up bars, go into Eskimo dance, go into a rave, and you kind of have all that practice in the radio for the live. Yeah. And then we had to learn about the live, like learn, okay, when I come to the stage show, I can't spit my deeper intellectual bars. I need to spit my one, two, three, simple. And we had a lot of training, man. That's one thing. I had a lot of time to train, and I never realised how important that would be to then doing live performances and doing festivals and doing shows, that all that mic practice, we had all of that. So when we stepped into that world now, we was ready. And yeah, man, I, I, I always big up the, um, the DJs that gave man the space, the DJs that sacrificed their time, sit in front of decks for three hours, always playing new music, always finding the newest beats. The DJs, the DJs and producers make it possible for the artists to become big. If it's not yeah. for them, you wouldn't have people like Skep, people like JME. You wouldn't have them because it's the DJs that put in the grind. They're the ones that come with the new beats. They're the ones that come with the new mix. They're the ones that put on a show. We as artists come to their world and use that energy to propel ourselves. And, you know, they don't normally get the shout-outs. The, art, the artists always get the love, but really it's the DJs and the producers that make it possible for us to do our thing. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So you went on to keep listening to hip hop. Now, the, the artists, because we obviously, we send out questions to get an idea of what stuff you like. Yeah. And actually, we've been talking about, you, you've, you've put up as your favourite hip hop album, an artist who... We've been talking about a lot on this podcast because he's actually proven to be quite divisive, right? So yeah. this is uh, Born Sinner, J. Cole, right? So your J. Cole is up there for you as like one of the greatest of all time, am I right? Yeah, 100%. Okay, back when I was sleeping in my mama crib, even back when I was up there in my homie crib, paying 1700 for the rent, money well spent, no heater, but a nigga made heat, may I vent, had a thing for you, even wrote the song Dreams for you, cause I had dreams for you, thoughts of a ring for your childish shit, you know childish shit, anonymous flower scent, you know coward shit, now a nigga signed a hoe, took a power trip, back home, I'm grown now, and the city's my throne now, huh? the same clubs that I used to get tossed out, life got crisscrossed, totally crossed, out cause now I'm in this bitch and I'm totally bossed out. Old six crying cause they know that they lost out, but I'm still on you, I'm still on you. My drinks fell on me while I fell on you. I'm saying, yeah. He's my favorite artist that's living right now in the world. I would say Jake Cole is my favorite artist, especially how he's transitioned from where he was to where he is now. You you hear his output, like his last album um before Fall Off season, which was KOD, which was absolutely crazy. All his songs are about like being righteous and not following fashion and not taking drugs and being a good person. He's, he, I think he's like the epitome of what hip hop stands for. Hip hop is, that's what hip hop was made. Hip hop was made to to educate people and to express pain and, and to talk about oppression. And he's a rapper that became so big, done so many things and then said, you know what, actually, let me take off my chains. Let me, he, like, the reason why I love Born Sinner so much because I feel like that was at a, a, a peak time in his career where he was blowing up, but then he started realizing, actually, let me have a message within my music. So you have songs like Crooked Smile on there, which are about him not fixing his teeth. Yeah. Because that's what a lot of people do when they get money, which is understandable, you know? You've you got a crooked smile, go fix it. Where, whereas he said, nope. I'm going to make a song about how my, my shit is crooked and I'm going to inspire young people to not change their teeth. But he does it in a way where I feel like he's not patronising people. I feel like he does it in a way where he's trying to educate man. Then he's got a song on there called Chaining Day, which is about him buying his Jesus piece. Then he's got a song on there called Let Nas Down, which is about pissing off Nas for making a pop song. That song is so good, man. Mad. I used to print out Nas raps and tape them up on my wall. My niggas thought they was words, but it was pictures I saw. And since I wanted to drop, I used to read them and up. Then he dropped Steelmatic, rock the cleanest for love. Fast forward, who'd have thought that I would meet him on tour? I'm earning stripes now, nigga got Adidas galore. Backstage, I shook his hand, let him know that he's the man. When he said he was a fan, it was too hard to understand. No time to soak up the moment. I remember just saying, I can't believe he's saying this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just so open. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I was blown away by it when I first heard it. Yeah, it's, he's, he's on some next shit, bro. And Nas replied saying, you made Nas proud. That was his yeah. reply. And I just remember listening to Born Sinner, like, definitely downloaded it illegally. 
definitely still in the Datpiff era where we was downloading mixtapes and stuff. And I remember just listening to it and being like, this is such a body of music that I love every single, like every song, Mo Money, Land of the Snakes, um, there's Power Trip on there with Miguel. There's there's the actual song Born Sinner. There's a song called Illuminati, which is about him being an Illuminati. Like him saying, how can I be in there? I'm a young black millionaire. They're young, they're old white billionaires. They ain't trying to mess with me. And it's like, do you know what it is? When I, I, I said my management, my, my answers to your questions, and my manager's a big hip hop fan. Like his mom's from New York and he loves rap. And he was like, Born Sinner's your favorite album of all time. And I was like, yeah, bro. Because it's, it's less about how impactful the music was to the world. It's more about how it impacted me. Sure. And that's taught me a lot about music. So the the, the thing that um, I was talking to, we had Steve Stamp from People Just Do Nothing uh, yeah. on, on here, Steve's. And uh, we were talking about J. Cole because I just watched a thing where this guy said, it was a video of a guy said, I can't remember who it was that was saying it, but he was saying, he was saying, I know that J. Cole's dope. I know that he's skilled. I know that he's brilliant at what he does. I just don't ever want to listen to J. Cole. That was kind of, that was kind of his argument. And listen, I, 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 I love J. Cole. Do you know what I mean? I think he's great. And I totally, and I totally understand why he put Born Sinner as your favorite. I get it. I totally get it. J. Cole's amazing, right? But there's this group of people that think that he's just kind of boring. Jimmy, have you heard that? Have you heard that argument before? Yeah, of course. Because uh, he always says that he went platinum with no features. <laughs> and that that's like the biggest diss for J. Cole online. Like everyone's like, yeah, but do you know that J. Cole went platinum with no features? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I find it hilarious. I, obviously, I get it, you know. You're not going to be in a party and be like, hey, 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 hey put us on coal. <laughs> put us on coal. We've got a lot of girls in here. Let's put on some coal. You know, that don't really happen. But hip-hop, hip-hop is, hip-hop, hip-hop is, is, is that spectrum, you know. One day I wake up, I want to listen to Migos. I love culture. I love culture one, two, and three. I, like, yeah. I, remember when, I remember when the Migos came to Brixton and performed culture. And that's when Bad and Bougie was popping. And that's a whole other side of hip-hop. That's like the mumble rap. People don't, some people in hip-hop don't even accept it as hip-hop. Whereas I definitely do. Raindrop, drop top, drop top, smoking on cooking the hot pot, fucking on your bitch, yeah, that, 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 cooking up dope in the crock pot, pot. We came from nothing to something, nigga. Hey. I don't try nobody grit the trick, nobody. Call up the gang and they come and get gang. Cry me a river, give you a tissue. Bad and bullshit, bad. Cooking up dope with a oozy. My niggas are savage, ruthless. Savage. We got thudders and hundred rounds too. My bitch is bad and bullshit. I feel like you have to have the Migos to have J Cole's music. Is 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 is. is is vibes. Some people, the problem with them is that they're so used to only listen to their one vibe that if anything is not part of their vibe, they don't rate it. And a lot of people, they love their little Uzi Vert, they love a little bit of Migos, a little bit of Playboy Carti. That whole side to, to, to hip-hop definitely doesn't connect with J. Cole's world. No. So if you don't listen, if you like that sound, you're never going to like this guy spitting all this knowledge and wisdom in your ear. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's, there's almost a bit of snobbery from both sides to each other, do you know what I mean? Because I, I'll be honest with you, I was a bit like that. You know, I was a guy that was like, I don't recognise me, guys. I don't want to listen to Future, Playboy Carti, all of that. Because to me, hip-hop is about fucking skills. Do you know what I mean? It's about like, you know, being lyrically amazing and like all of these lyrics that you don't figure out till like six months later when you're listening <laughs> to it. Do you know what I mean? You suddenly go, oh shit, that's what they meant. You know, yeah. all of that. But then the truth is, Migos serves a different purpose to like a J. Cole. Do you know what I mean? Even though it's within the same umbrella genre, 
you aren't going to listen to those in the same context. You know I mean, there's certain times when actually you you, you just want to hear something that isn't about like heavy lyrics. Although I have seen Migos do like freestyles on on like on on certain radio shows, and they have got. There's no doubt they've got skills. I mean, they have got skills. They've got man, bars, you know I mean? But um, they're known for going Quavo. <laughs> that's what they're known for. They're known for their ad libs yeah, and yeah. their hype and their. But it's yeah. like someone like Future. You play Future to a proper hip hop head, they're gonna be like, "What is this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Future in the club, in a party, it's a vibe, bro. You, you don't even care what you're saying. You hear all this mumble, and you're like, "Yep, yeah, vibes." And and like you said, I feel like both of them, they kind of clash, but they're also part of the way that hip hop is formed, like. Obviously, the origins of hip hop. You look back in the day. You you you, you look at your people like Flavor Flav and them man, and and literally before your NWAs, you know, before gangster rap was glamorized in the nineties, hip hop was a form of it was like against the man. It was like a, a it was an art form that was created to speak out against oppression yeah, and anti system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that that's the that's the that's the roots of hip hop. But then when it became gangster rap and you get your Ice Cubes and your Snoop Dogs and Dr. Dre and Tupac and it's all about West Coast versus East Coast, it became a whole different thing. Hip-hop became this like big phenomenon of like yeah. rap. And then I feel like people like J. Cole and people like Kendrick Lamar, they kind of represent what old school hip-hop means. Whereas your Futures, Migos, they're like new school vibes and they've kind of like taken that Rapper, jewelry, ice, big cars. They've taken that and gone over there. Whereas you have your people like like Vince Staples and, and Dave East who's, who, who still represent hip-hop. And it's just about what you connect with, man. Some people connect with both and some people only connect with one. And I feel yeah. like they can all live within. They don't, they don't have to put them against each other. Do you know what no. I mean? I think people like ASAP Rocky are really important because I feel like he represents both sides of the coin. He's like super hip-hop, but also... Does proper weird songs, you know. I feel. Like- you know who else I feel is uh, who else I feel is a bit like that. I don't know if you listen to much of Denzel Curry. Yeah, but like, I feel like I feel like Denzel Curry kind of kind of bridges that as well because he sort of got those mad songs, but also he can spit. Do you know what I mean? It's like uh, oh, he's he, crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's his album's called Zoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His yeah. last album is called Z U U. It's yeah, the yeah. random thing in the world. People are like to me, yo, why did Denzel Curry name his album after you? I'm like, fam, I don't know, man. I'm just so inspirational. Love Big Eats. Just loves it. He loves Big Eats. I remember I like when the album came out, I got at it every day. Like really, yeah. Denzel Curry, it's Big Zoo um, album out now. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> Take it. City, nigga, boy, I'm coming out the Boy, we coming out the Boy, we coming out the Boy, I'm coming out the Rep your set, grab a tech, leave you wet and project in the cut like Gillette, where they serving, don't protect. Place a bet on your head, call your bluff and make a check. Guilty until innocent, far as I know, I'm heaven sent. But yeah, I totally know what you mean. And I think like, you know, when, you know, you have discussions with people about hip hop not being what it used to be. And by the way, I, I'm like, you know, I'm much older than you. I, that conversation about hip hop being over has been being had since I started listening to hip hop. Do you know what I mean? So that's not a, a new thing, but it's like, if you want a lyricist, if you want somebody going off over like some sparse beat, 
you still got it. It's not disappeared. It's just okay. like there's a certain branch of it. If you want that, there's almost too much of it. Do you know what I mean? You, you're yeah. fucking, you can occupy every minute of every day with that type of hip hop. It's just that there also exists this other whole branch of it. Do you know what I mean? And you can, you can like it or you don't, but it doesn't, you know, it's just so broad now. I find it, I think yeah. it's one of the things that, it's one of the reasons that hip hop's so amazing. Mm. So is there, is there anything about hip hop that you don't like? Um, I said, I, when you like asking this, I said it's the fans, man. <laughs> and uh, it's because of this combo. Right. I don't like the fact that people, the fans, control the narrative of what's sick. Back in the day, the fans didn't have as much input. It was kind of like up to the labels and who was popping. And like J. Cole's story is so important because he's somebody that was absolutely killing it in the hip hop scene, couldn't get signed, went to Jay-Z, didn't get the respect, had to put out a single like workout where it's this poppy hip hop song and got his probably his biggest selling track to then have to break himself down and come with real stuff. You know, I feel like the fans almost ruined hip hop because mm. they kind of like, they turned their back on real hip hop and kind of went with the consumer, the consumable, like easy, understandable hip hop. And then, basically made the narrative if you make real hip-hop you're boring yeah or it's too lyrical or it's too and i felt like that that always pisses me off because it's like like you said both can live within their own art form but have we have to have respect for these people that actually put their time and effort into creating art like it's like it's like saying it's like saying that nas is boring yeah you, you couldn't say that if you if you love hip-hop if you love rap you're not you're not allowed to say that do you know what i mean <laughs> But Nas is definitely not going to give you the same vibe that the Migos and the Future are going to give you. And I feel like it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, someone like Dave, you know, like Dave from, from UK, the UK, Santan Dave. I remember I went up to him and I was like, bro, you must listen to a lot of Nas. He's like, no. Nope. I was like, what? He's like, I'm like, what? No, Jay-Z? No, nope. I just listen to, he's like, I just listen to like UK music and what's popping. I was like, what? I was so confused because he's such a sick rapper. Yeah. But, he didn't grow up on that. He grew up on UK road rap and he grew up on the gang and Mandem. He didn't grow up on Tupac, Biggie, Nas. Like, he couldn't tell me one Nas song, but he's so sick at rapping. Yeah. Dave is like one of the greatest rappers in the world. And I feel like that's where, that's where it really comes down to. It's like, there is this whole side to hip hop that we, we cherish and people like stand up for. And there's people just don't give a shit about it. And, I find it hilarious because you wouldn't have what you have without that. And then does that make me an old head? I guess I'm an old head. And <laughs> But I, I feel like the fans, that's the one thing a hip-hop part that pisses me off is when people like disrespect the people that what make what we have. Yeah. How much do you let like the fact like your fans influence what you do? Like how much do you, how much is just coming up from what you want to create in your own head to, are people like this about me? I better do something on that line. Like, do you think about that at all? I, I definitely think about what is popping. Right. Because the fans decide what pops. So if drill is going crazy, I've got to spit on a drill beat. It's, it's yeah. just part of the, it. That's part of music. The best musicians navigate through the sounds that are popping. Obviously, I wish I could just do my own sound and make whatever I want, but I'm definitely influenced by what's popular. And, and I still put out, I put out a grime track this year called Variation with DWE. And it's super grime, no drill. No drill 808s, it is just straight grime and people loved it. Uh, giving the spill, giving the lowdown, can't lie, keeping it real, I can't slow down. 
Grew up on Mars, it weren't Old Town. I'm the BFG, it ain't rolled out. I got the high spots, got the soul cow. No, it's only W's that joke out. Bars man down and it's no foul. Cause I came from the gutter like I bowled out. I been me, I never sold out. But I can tell you about the shows that I sold out. I'm in the lane, I have my own route. Good girls wanna settle down in the whole shop. I ain't tryna throw clout. Come, I got a whole sound. See the talent from young like a pro scout. Put in the work, but I feel like I'm on the most now. Uh. Give him a variation. And it kind of proved that, okay, you can still live within your world, but. I also put out a song called Magical, which is like Afro beats and dancey and vibes. So like, I definitely let people influence what I make. That's that's definitely that's definitely for sure. But you're someone that's quite versatile though as well. It feels like you could go either way into like, yeah, into like a more hype track or do that more conscious stuff as well. It feels like you can kind of yeah, do for sure. both. I've, I've definitely, that's, that's just like, cause I've been, like I said, when I first started writing music, I didn't just do grime, I did all different sounds. So I've always been someone that does all these things. I just kind of became prominent as a grime MC. But definitely, I've always worked on different types of music. And I feel like my album is definitely the epitome of that. My album couldn't be one genre. It's, it's, there's R&B on there, there's rap on there, there's drill, there's grime, there's singing. It's like just all the vibes, man. And that's, and that's what music's supposed to be. Musicians should be able to make what they want, you know? Yeah. And what about live experiences? Do you, I mean, I'd say, what, what, is, a, what is a big zoo gig like? Ah, oh, energy, vibes, a lot of attention to detail. I'm, I'm, um, the pandemic has really hurt. Sure. Especially putting out music because my live element, I say, is the best element of my music. My music is great. I love it. I think everything's beautiful about it. But I feel like when you hear me perform it live, that's what kind of tips you over the edge. So you might be like, oh, that big zoo guy's cool. But then you see me perform it live, you'll be like, no, 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 no. It's a different thing because because of radio, because I came up in that having to be in a room, one mic, 50 man around me, have to make sure my 10 seconds on the mic is the most important part. I kind of have all that practice with live, like live. There's some musicians, UK rappers, who blow up overnight one song, they, they have to headline bloody pop life they come out, it's their first time ever performing on the mic. And their song is big, so everyone's going to sing the song. But they ain't got no, no tech. Whereas me, I didn't come out like that. I didn't blow up and get booked for wireless. I was doing this, I was doing Old Blue Last in Shoreditch with 50 people in the room, having to control that room. To then being able to do certain things that like now I've done stuff where it's like, okay, that's, that's a bit mad. Do you know what I mean? But when I perform live, I go absolutely crazy. I make sure that I get, and, and I practice a lot. All I do in my yard, instrumental practicing. That's all I yeah. do. Yeah, literally. So are you practicing are you practicing freestyling or are you practicing like your your own tunes? Everything, man. So yeah. we not I still got we still got instrumentals in the background talking rubbish, freestyling. Whenever I jump in the car, I take the orcs. My boys know what time it is. I'm gonna put on the beat. Yeah, yesterday <laughs> we went we went to Top Golf and it was like an hour journey and I had one beat on loop for the whole time. Just <laughs> So I spat a couple new bars, old bars, freestyled, and it's just to stay, it's just to stay sharp. I just yeah. I, I'm always I'm all about staying sharp. I think rap and hip hop is somebody stopping in the street saying spit some bars, and you going cool. Here's my new fire sixteen. Yeah, that's what I think rap is. Like I that's how I came up. I came up of don't in, dude, don't invite people to fucking do that to you in the street, man. You know I know, I, mean? I know. People <laughs> gonna stop me and be like, yo, 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 I heard you on that podcast, bro. <laughs> Let's get some bot and I'm going to be pissed off trying to get a cross on. <laughs> Bro, I'm just trying to film. <laughs> <laughs> but is it right you toured with Dave? Is that right? 
Yeah, we did. We did Europe, man. He, 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 he I've toured with a lot of people in the UK, random people. I've toured with um, KSI. Yeah. I've toured with AJ, AJ Tracy, um, Chip, JK. Um, I've done my own tour in the UK. And I literally finished my first tour, my first big zoo tour. And I was dying, like no voice, very ill, needed a couple months to recover. And Dave's team hit me. They're like, do you want to go on tour in Europe? I'm like, oh my days, let's go. <laughs> and I literally, I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. I took it super serious because it, it's a big opportunity. You know, Dave, Dave was, it is one of the biggest artists in the UK. I mean, he went number, number one today with 74K sales, which is more than Storms. So oh, Dave okay. is technically bigger than Storms. So it's crazy. Like going on tour with him, we did nine dates. I've, I've performed across Europe already, but I know that they really take in music, especially when you perform live. So I took it super serious and it was one of the best things I've ever done, man. I left every, every show I went in, nobody knew who the fuck I was. Nobody. Maybe like one person would n- know who I was. And they're all sold out. Each venue is like a thousand cap. So I'm coming out and these bunch of people just want to see Dave. All they want to do is see Dave. Like people pay to go to a headline show to see the headline artist. They do like it when they see the new guy and yeah. fun. But where's Dave? Who is this guy? So I was coming out and I was like hitting them and so I'll give them the hype, I'll give them the gas, then I'll give them the, the singing, then I'll give them some conscious stuff. And they was really receptive because Dave has that audience where they listen to his lyrics, but they also love the vibes. I got a song called The Struggle, which is a freestyle about life and young people. It's a three-minute freestyle. Just straight, looking in your eyes, spitting bars. Came from the struggles to the bubble. We move like life is a hustle. We came up for society's rubble. They try to break us down. It's the little things that when a youth in school gets in trouble. Then they put the bad kids in a huddle. And if you wait on the system's wave, and then they're just stuck in a puddle, yeah. Plus things at home, they're not easy. So it feels like with life and school, you got a juggle. And if you're out here, it's a jungle. So if you don't pass your test at a certain age, you'll have fuckle. Unless you got links with your uncle. Or you do a retaking the same system that put you there in a struggle. Now then there's where Every time I would perform it, after the whole crowd would just they start clapping. And it was super sick for me. And then I saw the streams for that go out, like through the roof. And then like my Europe fan base grew. So like that Dave tour is probably one of the best things I've ever done. That and and touring in Australia, that was super mad as well. Touring in Australia, I find really fucking hard because of the time difference. I've got to be honest with you, but about the time that I started to get appreciating the time difference, it's time to come back. Like I, I <laughs> like the first few shows, I found so, I found it so hard. Where did you do in Australia? So we we did we did Sydney first, then Perth, and then Melbourne. So it was a bit all over the gap. It was, it was super random, man. What was your favourite? Because I love Melbourne, man. I think Melbourne's sick. Melbourne's lit. Melbourne's like London. Melbourne's, Melbourne's the city of Melbourne is very is very similar to London. I like Perth, though, because Perth is kind of like what you see on, like, um, Home and Away, you know? It's, it's <laughs> like, you know, like, Neighbours. When yeah. you watch Neighbours, that is what Australia looks like. Perth is, like, beautiful beach. You know, obviously, they speak English, which we know. You know, because the English, um, we know what they did to make Australia. So when you're there, it's like abroad, but they know all the bars. They understand every single... It's not like when you do Europe where people are just going, hey, they don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Australia, they know all the bars. So I was out there and I couldn't believe it that the people were spitting my bars back to me. And it's like, right, I'm on the other side of the world. And you know all my lyrics. Like, this is crazy. And because they're just like... 
super gassed and like, oh my God, you're here. Yeah. Like, we are not going to be like a dead London crowd who just saw Stormzy live. So we don't really need to see Big Z live. Nope. We are in bloody Australia. You have flown 20 hours, 24 hours to come here. We're going to give you all our energy. And that's how it was in Perth, man. Literally. Is, it, is this scene big in Australia then? Have they actually got a big, like... Bro, there's grime. So basically, there's this clique of grime MCs in Australia. Yeah. Who are from England. One of them had a girlfriend in Australia. So him and his four lads flew over. What is his name? Uh, I'll, I'll have to give you the name after, man. If you just yeah. write Australian grime, it'll come up straight away. But they flew over like 15 years ago when grime was popping 2006, 2000, around the 2005, 2006 era. They flew over to Australia and just kept doing what they was already doing. And then they became like the forefathers of grime in Australia and like massive out there. They got like Melbourne's got its own MCs. Perth has its own MCs. Brisbane has its own MCs. Like they all got their own little fan bases. Um, it goes off there, man. It like, I think one of the biggest festivals is, is in Australia and Auckland is in New Zealand as well. And I know that Stormzy, Gig, Skepta, every New Year's, that's where they go to perform. What is, uh, what's the Aussie accent like on a grind track? Does it work? Bro, it's funny. <laughs> they say cunt a lot. They say the C word. They, they say it in a good way, in an endearing yeah. way. Oh, right, yeah. So they call you a good cunt or sick yeah. cunt. Right. And it's obviously in England, that's such a big swear word. But over there, it's like the greatest thing to be called. <laughs> like, I remember I came off stage and a kid came up to me. He said, your mum's a cunt. And I said, what? what what did you just say bro he's like no nah, i'm saying that your mum's a g because she made you i was like okay <laughs> weird thing to say after someone gets off stage yeah. bro right in my grill like your mum's a cunt and i'm like yeah. even without the cunt yeah <laughs> but now they're sick man they got like australia they got australian drill the drill scene over there is crazy that's so mad it's magic. I can't. Who's the art? the artist did a remix of a drill track and they got like one of the australian guys on it I've done like I've done like ciphers with them with the Australian grime MCs. I've got a song with one of them. Yeah, man, they're good people. There's a guy called Chillin' It. He's like absolutely massive, sells out mad tours over there. Like he's he does grime and lyrically so sick, bro. And right. he's just this Australian dude. Like he's called Chillin' It. Yeah. I've got to check out some Australian grime then, man. I guess. Trust. It's yeah. so random, bro. So, okay, well, look, what, what are you listening to at the moment, then? Have you got any recommendations for us? Um, maybe not super hip-hop, but um, I've been listening to a lot of Children of Zeus. Oh, yeah, they're so good. They're kind of like, they're like R&B vibes, but yeah. the guy that spits, so there's a singer and there's a spitter, and the guy that raps, it's all hip-hop. Yeah. And it's like super old-school vibes. They're from Manchester. Like, you wouldn't even think they're from Manny. You know, we're very London-centric in the UK, like... So I, I, I definitely want to say Children of Zeus, their, their, their new project, it's absolutely, it's, I think it's called Balance, and it's like, there's some beautiful songs on there, man. Yeah, they're amazing. They're amazing. Everything I do is for the balance, yeah. yeah I've been feeling content, still never too comfy for the challenge. I often think on my mother, wonder why she managed. Why my stepdaddy still embraced her with all her extra baggage. I see my girl and my kids and I instantly think of blessings. It's only more recently I figured out what success is. Maybe you can appreciate the sentiment in this message. We may never see the fruit of this labor which we invested. This foundation for the future's built on something which these kids can depend. Trying to stack up. And uh, look, we're almost out of time, Zeus. So we're just want to uh, ask you what to look out for next in the world of uh, Zoo. What should we be checking out? Album, man. The album is called Navigate. 
it's it's on pre-order now. I can go get all the merch and stuff. We're, we're lining up a tour for it. Yeah, man, the album. I've put a lot into the album, spent a lot of time on it. So, yeah, just go look out for the album. I got some new singles out today. Just literally bag of always new stuff coming out. Just follow me and hopefully you can join the wave, man. Because I, I, I never expected it. Mum wants a new kitchen. I can credit it. Came from a shared kitchen. Room had one bed in it. Country and war, one chance she jetted it. When she looks back, no way she's regretting it. Left everything for her son to be getting it. Always had dreams about buying a council house one day to start letting it. Then I said, yo, I can do way more in England. They Call us poor. But in Africa, we was rich, that's what they thought. Now I'm gonna win, and I didn't come up with a draw. I was lucky in life, cause I picked the right straw. If you watch Dave, you're gonna see my face, of course. Also, I was with Dave on tour, had foresight, double division, and eight more. Do you want people to stream the album or buy the album physically? I mean, what's the, what's the deal? How are you asking I'm, people? I'm easy. Me, if you wanna buy my merch and spend hundreds of pounds on my t shirts and hoodies and get a, a barbecue sauce and get the physical, by all means, but I'm. I'm easy, man. Do I, I, I'm a person that's like, I, I grew up stealing music and listening to it for free. I'm not gonna now tell you you spend eleven pounds. I would like it if you did, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be upset if you just go on YouTube and listen to my songs. Yeah. You know? Okay, well look, man, it's been a real pleasure to to um to have you on. The last thing I wanna ask you about is not to do with you, it's to do with Ben actually. Uh when Ben and I were working in America, we drank a lot of this. What is it? Sparkling water, different flavour sparkling water called LaCroix. Have you heard of it? LaCroix, no. Nah. Yeah, it's like a big, it was a big thing for us. And yeah. just before you came on, Ben was drinking LaCroix, right? And I was like, I don't understand how this geezer's doing this. I mean, actually, this is actually quite a simple answer, but you're importing your sparkling water, is that right? Well, this is how this guy's America, the, our, our American trip didn't really go to plan, did it? Like, well, we made a series that completely flopped. If, if, if that's if that's what you mean, it didn't go to plan. If, so if, like, the, if the plan was to go to America, spend six months there for fuck all return, then yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one thing that I took from it was I really like this sort of grapefruit. Is this? Uh, yeah, that, that is basically that is the basic legacy of our fucking trip to America. <laughs> so I now. To pretend that that didn't happen and that we're still living that dream, I'm building a floor on my house and not having a projector and importing grapefruit sparkling water. Is it really expensive? It's, it works out at about £1.85 a can. So oh not too my bad. God. What do you mean not too bad? For sparkling oh, right, so water? Pretty bad. That is bad. The weirdest thing is when the guy comes, the, the postman, and like my wife's ordered six crates of it, he fucking hates us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what's your take on that? You're a foodie. What do you think? I've, had it? I've never had it. I need to come to your house and take a, uh, a crate and you can take sell a crate, it. mate. Honestly, you add it. your little money on top, you know, your import tax. <laughs> um, I, you know what? Really enough, my fr- I got friends from Morocco and there's this drink called Hawaii, which they sell here, but it's so much better in Morocco. Right. So whenever they come back, I make them bring me, I make them bring me um, like 80 bottles. So I get it. Yeah. Some, there's some things, it's like Fanta, you know, like European Fanta. Yeah. The one that's actually orange. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. Like, I will pay extra money if somebody wants to bring that over, man. Yeah, but the, but the thing that's about it. that kind of drink, the thing about that Fanta in particular, is really it's only safe to have it when people bring it over every now and again. Because if you had to drink that regularly, I think you would start to turn orange or something. Like, I, don't think you, I don't think your body can trust and regularly drinking that Fanta. Um, no, one, yeah, one more question. One more question. Liverpool, are they going to win the league next year? I know you're wearing a Liverpool t-shirt now. Oh, God. I, I mean, if Virgil and Gomez can come back and be wonderful and we can buy a striker, maybe. But I don't feel like we can win a league. I feel like we can just, we can do well. 
I feel like we need to win like an FA Cup or something just to kind of please the fans. But mm. the way United are moving, and then I'm hearing City want to buy Grealish. Oh, oh, no. oh I'm no. going to cry. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, Zoo, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, man. Good luck with the new album. Good luck with everything you're doing. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. My G, I, this has been sick. Thank you for having me.